You're listening to episode 104 of the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. Never good enough, mom. Dad, you can't please you. And so kids, and, and this is especially, and I don't, I'm not hammering on Christian parents, but we're very intentional parents and we have a lot of expectations on us. And so sometimes we are the most rigid parents there are. And sometimes in Christian homes, I find that there's this great divide because the kids are like, you have higher expectations of me than God does. God seems to be pretty happy with me, but you never are. And so then they just begin to shut down. And then that's when you've got to kind of go back to, okay, let's let's praise for progress. Let's, Let's start to notice the little thing. This week, I'm back with Kirk Martin from CelebrateCalm.com. I know y'all are big fans of all the episodes I've done with him in the past about calmly parenting, about uh, helping strong-willed children. He also does a lot of work helping parents with children who have ADHD. And today, he and I are kind of all over the place, but that's how I like it. Uh, We spend some time at the beginning talking about what to do when you're solo parenting, and that's different to me than single parenting. I do not even try to um, think that when my husband has gone on a business trip that I'm a single parent because there is a whole lot more to being a single parent and you single moms out there, um, I want to give you the credit you deserve. That is a really high calling and um, that we want to be there for you better. Anyway, I digress. We talk about what do you do when your husband's out of town and traveling and how do you help your kids uh, step up to the challenge. We also talk about a couple questions that he's gotten. One being, what do you do when you have now decided to calmly parent, but you feel disconnected from your child? How do you reconnect with them? And then uh, what do you do when you have that perfectionist child, the one who wants to do it right, the firstborn type, or maybe they're not firstborn, but they still have that bent. I know it's going to be awesome and helpful. And you are such a great mom for listening. I mean, think about that. You had a lot of choices of what you could do today. And today you are working on being a better mom and refocusing and getting a new perspective. So you get 10,000 mommy points today just for listening. All right, let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Kirk, welcome back to the God Center Mom podcast. Hey, Heather, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I've been uh, doing a little solo parenting. So uh, that's testing all the calmness in me. But uh, why? So. <laughs> Start to jump right in. Yeah. Why? So what? It, because there are a lot of moms who have to do that. Yeah. Like they have the husbands who travel all the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is a great strategy as a dad. <laughs> um, but so what is really hard? What's the know, hardest part of that? Yeah. yeah. What's the hardest part of that? You know, I realized because part of me was a little excited about I don't really have to worry about these big dinners or, you know, cause part of that's just that we have family dinner together. We could maybe watch movies every night, which we've done. Um, cheese, chicken nuggets. Yeah, and really. Although my oldest son requested steak. So we had steak one night, but that's actually pretty easy. Uh, if, and if you only yeah. buy one steak, it's super cheap. Um, right. So. That I thought I was like, oh, and then once the kids are in bed, I'll have like the evening to myself, which, you know, I don't have to then, you know, do the whole married connection, talk, how you doing, hang out. I can pick whatever show I want to watch. Okay. By the time. Oh, what I was. That sounded awful, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have to do the marriage connection. Well, no, I mean, like. The thing is you don't have to be the man. I don't have to meet the needs of the kids and meet the needs of the husband. I know. 
right? You know what I mean. So Yes, and it's very good to have some of that time to yourself, and that's good for your marriage. Exactly. So I'm all over that. Yes. Okay, so that's all good, but here's the deal. I am so used to my husband helping helping a lot. He is really good at unloading the dishwasher. He's really good at loading the dishwasher. He's really good at helping with meals. He's good with putting the boys to bed with me. And he's, so I get to the end of the day and I'm like, oh, I just want to go to bed. Like I want to go to bed. So here's an idea. Why don't we have a, cause you know, I don't know if you know, but in our thing, we talk a lot about like traditions, having a tradition in the home. So why don't you guys develop as a family a thing like, hey, when dad's gone, what's like the older boys, they've got to step up a little bit yeah. and do a little bit more so that it doesn't all fall on you. And and you know what? I think I'd have, and this is really powerful, I think, I'd have dad pull the kids aside mm. and say, hey, I'm man of the house, man of the house serves, yes. Yes. right? Because we do servant leadership. We serve. When I'm not here... I'm not here to serve and do that. So boys, you need to pick up the slack when I'm gone. Yeah. And they can do it in both a really nice kind of like I'm training you to be men. We're men. This is what we do. <laughs> yeah. But there's also like an accountability thing of like, hey, your mom's here alone. She's not doing everything by herself. And if I hear that my wife is ex- – because I like that language, my wife. If I hear my wife is exhausted and you're not doing anything, you know – I'm going to be taking you out on the ranch or wherever it is. And, you know, you guys are going to be held accountable to me. But maybe there's a tradition in your home that when dad's gone, you know, one of the kids gets to wear a little deputy's badge and he's responsible for X and one of the other ones so that you don't have to do everything. And that's great for the kids to learn as well. Yeah. No, I think that's really good. I think uh, I didn't even realize it, but when he... You reminded me, not that I didn't realize it. You reminded me that when he left, he did tell my oldest that he is now the man of the house. He used the exact word you used. And uh, wow. at bedtime, um, I'm, I did my normal reading to the little kids, and I told the oldest that he needs to read to the other two. And the first That's night, awesome. he kind of like dropped the ball on that. And right. um, instead of calmly saying, I, I gave you that responsibility. You're the man of the house. You should have done it. I kind of did a little non-calm reaction. Uh, Were you like, hey, I missed the Kardashian because you didn't get this. No, it was just like, I told you. I specifically said, why did you not? Well, they didn't pick out a book. That's not their response. You know, I kind of did a little flip out, which was not calm parenting. But I know. You're gone. Good point, Heather. We're just going to flow with this. Yeah. You, You mess up, which is perfectly fine. So what I love about messing up is it gives you an opportunity to model for your kids. Hey, Justin. Here's the deal. Last night I kind of get on you because I was expecting you to do this and I still expect you to do it, but I shouldn't have like laid that on so heavily because I know this is new for you. So tonight, here's how you could handle that differently. Maybe before bed, have the little two pick out the book ahead of time so that you're kind of prepared for it. So you use it as a teaching opportunity, which I like. And he, and he did do better. And then what I also realized, which might go along with the man of the house is last night, uh, we hadn't quite finished our movie, Anne of Green Gables, what four boys don't want to watch Anne of Green Gables. Um, <laughs> but he is, he's reading the book in class, and so he was curious how it ended, which is great. And so we didn't really tell the other boys, but I said, oh, Quay's going to help me finish cleaning up the kitchen. So the other ones went to sleep, and he came downstairs, and he got to finish watching it. So that's kind of man of the house, because that's what dad gets to do. 
is he gets I to watch the show. Cool. So kind of like your, your responsibilities went up, but your privileges also went up. Kind of See, thing. I think that's perfect. Yeah. I think that's perfect. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But, the, but it is hard cool. when you're tired or like, oh, the other extreme when you're solo parenting is that you maybe don't go to sleep right when they do and you don't have a spouse to like say, hey, let's go to bed. So you like stay up till one in the morning. I did that one night. That's bad. Did you really? Yeah, that's terrible. I know. That's the worst. It's it's unwinding. Yeah. It's wasting all that time and, on the yeah, internet. You have to, yeah, don't beat yourself yeah. for that. Just don't do it every night. But <laughs> the next day is horrid. But, it is. No, it but is. see if there's a tradition or maybe it's, a, um, you know, those nights that you get to take a bath that you want or you get to read something you normally don't get to read, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's all good tips. Taking care of herself, I think, helps calmly parent when our husbands are out of town, you know? Yes. And one other thing is to, um, is to establish it with your kids, whether you're solo or not. I just always hit this for moms. If you've got to make yourself a priority and let your kids know the world doesn't revolve around you Yeah, and I have needs and I'm taking care of my needs. And for the parents who struggle with that, I mean, I always point to Jesus doing that, that he didn't run himself ragged mm-hmm. helping everyone. Like mm-hmm. you never have like, you know, there's nowhere like in the gospels, like Jesus was like really worn out because he was doing stuff like he, well, he retreated to the mountains. He got away from people to be and like, God. oh, yeah. yeah, to be and, and to have his downtime so that he could give out. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like that model a lot. Most people in ministry don't follow that because mm-hmm. they want to, you know, help it feels somebody. selfish. I think that's the lie we tell ourselves. Well, that's selfish. It, and it ends up becoming the most selfless thing that I can do is to take care of myself emotionally, physically, and spiritually so that I am now whole and I have energy to give out to you. And when you have a problem, now I can help you instead of making it about me because after all I do for you right. and I don't get any time and that just never works. Right. So, no, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. Okay. So, Kirk, I know you get you get questions all the time. What kind of questions have you gotten lately that we could chat through today? Okay. Well, here's a good one. How, you know, how do I repair a relationship with a child? And, and, you know, it depends on the age a little bit. But for a lot of us, I get this all the time because my backstory is I was just a freak of a dad. Like I was on my son from the time he came out of the womb. Nothing was ever good enough. And I did that, honestly, for the first nine or ten years of his life until I began to change So there was a divide between me and my son. And so repairing that relationship, I I, I just jotted down a couple notes. One, humility is just a really powerful tool. Mm. And just being able to say, you know what? I messed up. I shouldn't have been on you all the time. I Last night, I shouldn't have yelled at you like that. That was more about my own anxiety and I was tired and I apologized to you. Mm. And I know a lot of times parents struggle with, well, I don't want to apologize to my kids because it shows weakness. Mm. But I think it just shows meekness and it's, it's modeling for them. Oh, my dad messed up. My mom messed up. Yeah, I mess up all the time. Yeah. And so I, I apologize for that. I heard it from our director of our school, he said there's a, a string connecting your heart to your child's heart. And sometimes we're the ones to kind of cut that string and cause that divide. And it's going back and retying it and making That's sure good. that we retie it or else it'll stay detached. So I, I, 
that imagery think, is helpful for me. I, I like that. Another thing is just the, the patience because you know how this works when you, when you mess up in a relationship, you really want to make it right, mm. but it takes time. And, you know, I was on my son for nine or 10 years. So it wasn't like, hey, bud, sorry, you want to rebuild right now? Everything's cool. I mean, it took a year. It took two years. It took, you know, take until now in some ways. But I think modeling and changing yourself rather than trying to fix and change the relationship, mm. focus on changing yourself and who you are. Yeah. Because then the child starts to see, wow you're really different. And I think for my son, what really got him wasn't that I endlessly came back. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? It was, oh, wow, you're different now. Like Mm. in that situation, Mm -hmm. you just handled that differently. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to be able to trust you that you're not going to freak out like you did the first nine years. And so I think that's really good. I think that a lot of my issues of anger or being impatient are totally stemming from other places, spiritually and emotionally and from background. And so it's the time I've spent the last year really working on those heart issues that have helped right. me. I can't just say, well, I'm going to be calm today. I'm going to not yell today. Like I, I really have to work with God and meet with him like Jesus did. Go away, t- do the self-care so that I can respond better. I like What I like about you always is just your honesty with it Yeah, and yeah. knowing that you are, you're an intense mom. You're a very purposeful, intentional person. And we kind of talked about this before that you notice everything. Yeah. Like I'm very aware of every misstep. (laughs) Yes. Because you want so badly to be, can I, and you can always delete this from the podcast, Yeah. but I was, I share a quick story. I was at a, a workshop and this girl comes up and she was like, um, here's a question. She asked, okay. So if I do everything that I learned from Celebrate Calm, if I follow all of your steps and I do it, how long before everything changes? Wow. And I was like, I can't give you like a time period. She goes, no, 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 I'm going to do this. And I was like, I don't think that's the issue. Mm. I said, there's something in you that thinks that you have to perform somehow. And I said, I said, are you comfortable with God's grace? And she said, I don't like grace. And I said, I know because it means because you like earning it and you like feeling like you're, you're justified and like you, you deserve it. And I said, you don't and you won't. And I said, you'll never change until you're not going to be able to make it happen. And she just started crying. Mm. And I think that's in a lot of us Mm. is that. We want so badly to do so well. And then sometimes that kind of works against us. So sometimes at our live events, I'll say, you know, one of the best things you can do occasionally is just not care as so much. So like, he's like, that's, yeah, that's like telling (laughs) you like an, like an alcoholic, just don't drink so much. I mean, if you just wouldn't drink so much, then you'd be fine. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's easy to say, but hard to do. Yeah. No, it's impossible to not care. <laughs> as, a mom, as a dad, not so much, but yeah. as a mom, it's in you. But you well, know, the, the child, you, I mean, it was your, it was in your body and like, it feels like your creation, even though it's God's. And it feels like uh, a piece of you walking around outside of you. And if, absolutely. and I think the root of mine is a fear based. And so I am all of those fears get translated to them and I cannot control where they go, how they act. 
I can't. And that's scary because what if they do this? What if they say that? What if they, you know, and so really getting to the heart of my fear and, and replacing that with, you know, if love casts out fear, then really leaning into God's love for me and really seeing how he sees me is, is the healing that I've found really helpful, fairly helpful. And that's, I mean, that's pretty much what we talk about is it's not really about your kids. It's about you and all that anxiety and that, that you want so badly for them to succeed. And there's, um, and I mentioned this and I'll, I'll kind of segue into this. There's a new thing they're, they're calling like lawnmower parents. Like everybody oh, yeah. knows Tell me about that. I never heard about this. Tell so here's, that. oh, you know, some of these parents. Okay. It, it might me be, it might, it might be me. Yes, yes, yes. No. Go ahead. Lawnmower is this. They go ahead of their children clearing out the path for them so their children don't stumble, so they don't fall, so they don't have any obstacles. Mm-hmm. So they're creating this really nice path. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's all at the heart of it is born out of love, right? We're a helicopter parent because we want the best for our kids. But at the end of the day, you kind of have to make a conscious choice of like, well, this isn't good for my kids to be this lawnmower parent. Mm-hmm. I, and I thought about this with my own son because he, he just tore his meniscus. Mm-hmm. Like it was a bad little thing. And so I'm watching him on crutches and you feel bad because yeah. it's your son. And it's like, oh, I can't do it. But, you know, we were, we were actually overseas when this happened. Mm-hmm. And I still had a few days. You know, we still had a few days. I'm like, well, I'm not miserable. I paid a lot of money <laughs> for this. Go, whatever. And, yeah. you know, it was really interesting. I found myself wanting to make it really easy for him. Hey, do you have an elevator? And you know, when I backed up and I just let him handle it, we went to this, this castle and the lady's like, you know, there are 300 steps. <laughs> and uh, do you want the elevator? Uh-uh, I'm going to do it. Mm. And you know, we deal with strong-willed kids and this is kind of an interesting thing. So he's like, uh-uh. And she asked him like five times. And I said, ma'am, I said, he's really pig-headed. And so don't even bother. And you know, he loved the challenge of going up the 300 steps, he didn't, he actually ended up enjoying it partly because it was building up his upper body and, you know, he wants to look good (laughs) girls. But, (laughs) but when I was able to step back and let him own it, he figured it out himself. And whereas I wanted to kind of coddle him a little bit, he didn't want that. Right. And he actually impressed me and everybody around him. So and, and I think that's a good that's point. No, I'm thinking of like uh, parents who have the strong kids that are five and three and four. Right. And, and I and I I do have, I think, a lot of boys with leadership in them. And it right. becomes hard when you are a lawnmower parent because you're trying to clear the way, but they just want to do it themselves. And, and they actually might be pretty skilled in the future at being leaders. And so you're at this standoff of wanting to – you realize, you know, actually it'd be easier if you did this and them wanting to figure it out because God made them in a way that that's going to be how they're really good. They're really good at problem solving. They're really good at forging ahead and making a way themselves. And, and it's such a battle though, in these young years, cause you don't, you don't really know that yet. You just see the struggle <laughs> of trying to lead right. leaders. <laughs> well, struggle in our teens too. But yeah. Yeah. There's a- but there's so an age the thing, thing where they've actually seen the world. They have a little bit perspective and you can be like, well, yes. we'll just see how this goes. Right. So here are a couple, if you don't mind, I'll no, say go for it. Strong so here are a couple 
things for those strong-willed kids, whether three, four, five, or 13, is like in our curriculum, we talk about don't give them control, but give them some ownership. Right. So you create the boundaries. And these kids, I like to create this big box for them and say, hey, here are my rules and here are my expectations. Here's what I expect. Within this big box, I'll give you some space. And space is really important for kids to give them some space. I'll give you space to do this task Mm -hmm. as long as you get it done and meet my expectations. I don't care how you do it. Mm. And that's probably the hardest part for parents. Like you just said, well, honey, you know, if if you just did it this way, it would be so much easier. Right. And the strong-willed child doesn't want to do it the easy way. Right. They want to struggle and wrestle and they need to fail. And so that's where this lawnmower parent, helicopter parent, all that kind of crashes into human nature, which is with a strong-willed child, you have to let them fail Mm. because they learn that, hey, when I touch that hot stove, oh, it's hot. So next time they know to put like their brother's hand on it instead. (laughs) But they learn from that. But these are the kids you say they learn the hard way. These are the kids that learn the hard way. And you know what? They have to. And when we don't allow them to have that space because we're too anxious, because we're worried about their future, because we're in too much of a hurry. Honey, I, 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 listen, I, because you can hear this tone. I, I, I don't have time for you to do it that way. Just do it exactly the way <laughs> that I want you to do it because I'm 49. I know that if you do it my way, yeah. it will work out really well and we'll actually get something done in the home. But these are like the little kids. If you don't mind, I'm going to do, can I do this example I do at our live workshop? Yeah, do it. It's really good. Okay. So you tell your kids, Right? Like, here's what I always wanted to hear as a man. I walk in and I tell my son, son, I want these three chores done by seven o'clock. And his response was, why, of course, father, I wasn't having a good time texting or playing video games. I was hoping you'd give me some additional chores so I could learn the value of hard work and responsibility, sir. And I want that. And you want, of course, mother, because you carried me in your womb. And and you're never going to hear that from a strong-willed child. You're going to get- Or any child. uh, (laughs) <laughs> or any, right? They're just going to be like, oh, right. I don't want to do my chores. like, they totally melt into a pile on the floor. Like, <laughs> yeah, and you're like, you know what? You will not only do your chores, you'll do it with a smile on your face, right? Right, right tone, right, right, right reaction, yes. Yes, and that's a very Christian <laughs> thing, right? Of like, we have to do it with a good a heart. And honestly, no, I don't need you to have a good heart all the time. I, I, listen, if you want to be miserable raking the leaves, fine. I'll pull up a lawn chair and I'll pop some popcorn and I'll watch you be miserable. I don't need you to be happy. Yeah. I just want you to do your chores. So not a lawnmower choice. parent, a lawn chair parent. A lawn chair. Very good. I like that. <laughs> You're sitting and watching. Have at it. There you You're go. You're miserable. Right. Fine. Right. Get used to life. But I'm here with you. I love you. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm, I'm for you. I'm, I'm cheering you on. <laughs> No, I'm not cheering you on. You just have to do it. Well, I mean, you're with them. You're like supporting them. It's not like you're, like you talked about, it's not like you're an absentee parent when you call them parent. Oh, no. You're like present. You're sitting on the lawn chair. You're with them. But you're maybe not doing it for them, making a way, going behind them, just hanging out. No. And I want them to do it. So here's the example. Okay. I want A, B, and C done. Yeah. And I want it done by 7 o'clock. Right. It's 4.30 in the afternoon. They're not doing anything. It's 5.30. It's 6 o'clock. You don't even drink and you're looking for alcohol. (laughs) Right? Because now it's like 6.19. And you haven't said anything this whole time. No reminders. You can't. Okay. And you want to because you're like, yeah. 
Hey, bud, you want to, um, you know what? Actually, I'm going to like start the lawnmower for you. Right. And maybe I'll get it started. And right. You can come. And you want to, but you have to fight that because you have to let them own it. And at about 634, they finally get up and they start doing something. But now your anxiety is kicking in because you're like, they're not going to be able to get their three chores done in the right way, done with excellence, as unto the Lord, the <laughs> way I want to do it. Yeah. And they're going to do a half mm, job, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. And so all this anxiety. And so I wanted them to do A, then B, then C. Here's how the strong-willed child's going to do it. They're going to start with C. I don't know why. They're just difficult. They just want to do it their way. They want it to be on their terms. Their terms. Yes. And that's not always a bad thing because I'm giving them that box and I'm saying, I don't care how you get it done as long as it gets done. So they start with C. Next, they do Z. I didn't ask you to do Z. Z's not even on my list. And this is where your ADD kids, in the course of doing something, they notice something interesting and they go and they take apart the toilet. (laughs) And you're like, why are you taking apart the toilet at 642? You still have A and B to do. But all I can tell you is that they have to do that sometimes. They have to explore and it's not efficient or effective or productive, but there's something that God, I believe God has put in there them. And I'm not talking about they get distracted by their video games, but they go and they take apart the toilet because they're fascinated by it. Right. And there's something they learn from that, that they're going to use maybe five, 10, 15, 20 years from now. They get that done. Then they're going to do B, but B was sweeping the floor and it's an easy thing to do, but they have to put the broom behind their back and between their legs and they go backwards and they miss all the crumbs in the corner of the kitchen. And mm-hmm. you're going to get upset And at 6.59 and 59 seconds, they finally get to A and they get it done. And you have to look at them and say, nice job doing your chores. Right. But they didn't do it the right way or a good way. And they, but they did it. Right. Mm -hmm. And and that's with, listen, I'm, I love the idea of being able to be firm and consistent. And you tell your kids, if you don't do what I tell you to do, here's the consequence. But there are a lot of people listening to this who've done that, and their kids simply don't care about the consequence. Well, and you stay divided. I mean, I know that this whole conversation started with how do I reconnect with my kid? But I think that when the strong will thing plays into that, because probably that division happened because you tried to do it my way. Yeah. It's never good enough, mom. Right. Dad, you can't please you. And so kids, and, and this is especially, and I don't, I'm not hammering on Christian parents, but we're very intentional parents and we have a lot of expectations on us. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we are the most rigid parents there are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in Christian homes, I find that there's this great divide because the kids are like, you have higher expectations of me than God does. Mm. Like, like, That's how? a line right there. Mine. Yeah, it's like... God seems to be pretty happy with me, but you never are. And so then they just begin to shut down. And then that's when you've got to kind of go back to, okay, let's let's praise for progress. Let's let's start to notice the little things that say, hey, your little guy who, like, I would love for your husband when you Skype one night or call to tell like the oldest one of like, hey, my wife said you helped out last night and you read to the two younger ones. It's pretty awesome. That's mm. what men do. Mm. Even if he didn't read the right way or the whole story or whatever, 
Right. You made progress with it. Right. And kids love, I mean, Heather, how many times, I mean, if your hubby called you in the middle of the day and said, hey, you know what? Just wanted to let you know, you're an awesome mom. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes you want to be a better mom. Right. You know what I mean? So. Same thing with a kid. I think I think you're on to this. I think that you're on to this. And I, I was thinking about, you know, the Christian parents. Why do we have higher expectations than God? I mean, anything he asks of us, the list that Paul lists in, the, in those letters of, you know, behavior, Christian living, all stems from a relationship with Jesus first and an overflow from love first. And so... If as Christian parents we're looking at behavior first and then expecting relationship, we're we're gonna hit a wall. We're not gonna be that connected. And you said to reconnect, we need to be uh, patient. The, the humility, the humility, patience. patience. Do you have another one? Yeah, yeah. Change, it's who you are. Change who you are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and that's what we want with our kids. I think is the character traits is kind of building who you are, not just what you do, right? Mm. This is who we are as a family. Yeah. And part of that is um, I'm a complete, you know, I mess up all the time. Yeah. And so humility is a powerful, a powerful tool in that. Yeah. All right. Do you have another question that you're going to answer? Yeah, it's a hard one, so I don't like it. Okay. So, I, so here's one. So I've got a nine-year-old who's a perfectionist. He's a first firstborn. Yep. Shocker. Got it. And yep. puts a lot of pressure. Heather, where are you? Are you a firstborn? I Okay, so I'm a third, but my t- older brother and sister are older than me. So with that whole birth order thing, there's enough years between my older brother and I that I'm firstborn. Firstborn of a second okay. set. So. Yep, I totally get that. Yeah, so middle first. Okay. Yeah. I get that. Mm-hmm. So, so a few. So the child puts a lot of pressure on himself. So this whole perfectionism thing. So I wrote down kind of three quick things. One is take away the stigma of failing, and, and that's. I think that starts with the parents. Like around the dinner table, it's always like, well, "What did you do well today?" Which is awesome. Mm. But occasionally, a couple nights a week, say, "Hey, what'd you try today that you failed? Mm. That you failed at doing?" And I love for mom and dad. And especially dad, only because dads sometimes are like this mysterious, it's this mysterious dude who goes away like in the morning and comes back at night or mm-hmm. like later in the week. And the kids don't know what he does. And he seems sometimes like, oh, this aura around dad. But when dad's around the dinner table and he's able to tell the kids, man, you should have seen man at work today, turned in this proposal, my boss completely shot it down. Mm. And so for the kids to hear like, you mean you don't always please your boss. You mean they were kind of upset or you didn't do that well? Oh, completely bombed. Did a presentation at the office? Bombed. Mm. So here's what I learned from it. And it takes that stigma away from the failure. And, and the discussion becomes, okay, that's cool, Luke. That's really cool that you tried skateboarding off the roof. <laughs> and so you fail <laughs> because it's a terrible idea. Yeah. What did you learn from that? Yeah. Yeah. So, but that, that but don't idea. you find the the perfectionists are not usually the risk takers? No, they're not. The firstborns so, don't take any do anything risky because they don't want to fail so much they avoid any opportunity that could lead to failure. So that's why I want them to do it at times yeah. and to step out and to know, okay, and even to set the expectation of hey, you know what's going to happen when you put those skates on? You're going to fall, mm. and then you're going to get up, 
and then halfway of getting up, you're going to fall again and you're going to fall and fall and fall. And that's what you're supposed to do because that's that's what it's like. Do you find who they make excuses or like tell like, oh, the reason that I didn't do well on that or the reason da 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 is because of him and they're pointing fingers at everyone around them? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, sometimes there's lack of confidence. Sometimes it's that pride of like, well, I don't want to admit. And so that's where I think, again, coming from the parents modeling and saying, I'm secure enough as an adult to know I'm really good at X, mm-hmm. but man, did you see me trying to fix the, the, you know, the sink the other day? Did you see all the water that got all over? Mm-hmm. Not my gift, but I'm going to try to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think that modeling is really good. I think, now I wrote this one down because I hate this phrase. It's a parent, parental anxiety phrase. Well, you need to do your best mm. at everything. You need to do your best at everything. Right. I, I just think that's, you can't live up to that. Nobody does their best at everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, if I said, Heather, have you been the best mommy that you could be today? Mm. You're going to be like, uh, no. <laughs> because there's always more you could do. And right. it just, it's just, it's just an icky. So what's kind a of, better phrase for those kids? What could we say instead of do your best? I want kids, I want kids to, to, use their gifts and passions and to do what they love and to do it with passion. Mm -hmm. But to do it with passion is a lot different than just like doing your best sometimes is like, well, I don't always do my best. Right. Sometimes just tired or sometimes I simply don't care. Right. So how could we encourage them to say, Hey, I loved how you used uh, your gift of teaching or what? I don't even know. I'm trying to think of like, what could I say instead? Because, you know, we all need something in our toolbox to pull out. And so if I take out, do your best, what could I put in? That's a no, I just phrase. love how you tried that. Yeah. I love how you did that. Okay. I noticed the part of it that they did well. Okay. You okay. know, like, hey, that was really cool. You tried that. You did really well on the first part of it. Then I could tell you struggled. And here's something I just noticed in the way I'm saying that. And I think this is really important for parents and important for you as a mom too, is um, sometimes we get so invested and our tone gets like, honey, you did, and it's this kind of thing. Yeah. And I think it's really good as much as you can to pull back and let them own it and say, oh, Luke, you know what was really cool? I saw you doing that. And the first part of it, oh, man, you were rocking that. That was like awesome. Middle part of it, saw you struggling. And you know what? When I start to struggle... I get frustrated. I saw the frustration in you. Mm -hmm. And so you're teaching them that like, of course you were frustrated because you got to the really hard part. I bet you wanted to give up, didn't you? Mm -hmm. And so you're starting to help them identify the process of like, yeah, I did. But you know what you did, Luke? You kept doing it. And I saw that Lego tower fall down like four times, but you kept picking it up. Mm -hmm. And you know what I love about? I love your persistence. Mm-hmm. And when it fell down the fifth time and you threw the Legos at your brother, <laughs> that wasn't cool. Yeah. But I get that because I do that stuff. So next time it falls down the fifth time, what are we going to do differently? Now, here's what I do when I get frustrated. I walk away from it, listen to a little bit of music, go for a walk, and that helps me out. So what do you want to do next time you get frustrated? Because next time you hit your brother in the head with Legos, um, we're all going to get Legos and we're going to hit you in the head. <laughs> No, we're not going to do that. But <laughs> no, no, but but, but just kind of I, you know, it's owning that tone, which is always in your advising to me. That is so hard for me, so hard. That like lackadaisical, like whatever. Yeah, it's great. Whatever. It's not, I don't. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's not whatever. I'm engaged. Right, but I'm I can't. Like, yes, but it's 
I'm engaged, but I'm not owning it for him. Right. Owning it for him. Okay. Here's a good one that might help you is you're a teacher. Okay. I'm a teacher in the moment and I'm just letting you know, here's what I just saw happen. See, I'll give you another one with uh, two siblings because you've got 19 kids. I have 20,000. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So two kids are starting, you know, you can hear your radar goes off and you know, they're starting to ramp up a little bit. Yeah. And I come in the room instead of me owning it and saying, guys, you know what? We've got a lot of schoolwork to do. You've got your homework. We've got to go to the doctor. I don't have time, blah, blah, blah. I may sit down in the middle of the living room. I may just stand there. But my tone is, hey, guys, listen, I want to tell you what's about to happen. Because mm-hmm. I've seen this like 43 times in the last week. Mm-hmm. Luke, you are frustrated. So you're getting on your younger brother. He's starting to get upset. And so I start to diagram for them human nature, what's about to happen. Right. Luke, you're about to throw your Legos at him. And you know what happens every time you do it. I see you. You lose your Legos through three, three days, but your brothers get to play with it. I don't think you want that to happen. So I'm going to walk out of the room or I'm going to sit down with you. Why don't we figure out a different way to handle this? So see, instead of me owning it and saying like, you know, guys, why can't you ever just get along? Yeah, oh, no, I've said that. Mm-hmm. You two need to learn how to play together well. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know what that means because I'm a kid. Right, or the, the phrase, I, I need you to. I said that a lot. I need, I need you to get along. I need you to speak kindly. I need you to pick up your shoes. I don't, and that's yeah. a big, I don't need you to speak kindly. Right. I'd like you to, but I don't need you to. Right. Because, and it, let me use that one. So Luke, when you don't speak kindly to your brother, Here's who it affects. Mm. Partially it affects you because I know it doesn't feel good inside because you know it's not right to say that to your brother. Mm. And when you do that, it just proves to me that you're not acting like a nine-year-old. You're kind of acting like a four-year-old. So it actually hurts you because I can't give you more responsibility and you don't get to stay up late to watch Anne of Green Gables, (laughs) which every boy wants to do. And so, (laughs) you know what I mean? And so there's more of like I'm teaching and I'm making it about him instead of how it affects me. Right. And I'm saying, I don't think you want to throw the Legos at your brother because it's really not good for you. And I know it doesn't feel good inside to do that. But I know you probably feel helpless because you're really frustrated and you're really impulsive. In the moment, you get upset. And the first thing you want to do, I know you're not going to throw Legos at dad because mm-hmm. you're not stupid, but you're going to throw them at your younger brother. So yeah. let, why don't we just role play here for a minute? What are three different things you could do next time you get frustrated? Mm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So I'm coming in and I'm letting him own it and, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. I'm teaching there instead yeah. of owning it for him. Okay. So for that perfectionist kid who doesn't like to make the mistakes, who you're trying to let them see that we do make mistakes and we can repair it. And this is how we can take ownership of our own behavior. What other ways can we help those perfectionist kids? Um, I think time helps. Time and perspective helps, right? Okay. When you're nine and you think, and you're 15, everything's in the moment. Mm. I'm kind of a perfectionist, but I'm 49, so I know <laughs> I'm gonna mess up. You know, you know, you're gonna have like bad, you know, about seasons of life, and so it kind of helps. Mm. So, a time helps a little bit. I think um, having a mentor or a teacher or someone who can give that child maybe a bigger project or something that will challenge them and have the other mentor or teacher walk them through and say, hey, you're going to struggle with this and that's good Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Mm -hmm. 
sometimes it means more coming from someone else than it does from a parent. And, and I always like as kids get to be a little bit older, I love for them to have some kind of mentor or someone who can speak into their life, who is not their parent, who doesn't carry all of that anxiety about their future because it just helps. Um, but, but give it a little bit of time. Those, those kids will always be, um, super conscientious. I don't think you're going to take it out of them because it's in there. You just don't want it to cause them to have to go to therapy. (laughs) I I think we all should be in therapy, but yeah, I think, yeah, I think I know what you're saying. And I think that the key too, is I don't want it to keep him from trying things that maybe God has for him because he's scared he could fail in that whole and and beating himself up if he, if he makes a mistake. Yeah. And I mean, if you want to, in a Christian home, go through stories in the Bible of all the people who failed miserably, which yeah. was well, pretty good. much all of them. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> that's good. King David wasn't uh, so hot at certain yeah, points. We was, can't use that story. Yeah. No, I, I mean, you can't. There's a lot. There's enough in there. And that he enough. was a man after God's own heart, you know? So. Except when he was after Bathsheba. Well, there's that. But there's, <laughs> but God still labeled him a man after his own heart and chose him. So I think and that's worth yeah. meditating on for like the rest of the day. Cause that's yeah. what you said before of like his behavior messed up, but his heart was good. Right. 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 And he messed up big. I he look, that was adultery and murder because right. he had her husband killed. Right. Those are like two of the big ones. Those are, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no like, ranking, but those are big. Yeah. 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 You didn't load the dishwasher. Right. Is, you know, yeah. A little bit below that one. No, so. I think that's good. And I think that just, I'm, I'm just, I think our biggest struggle with that too is just not the making excuses. Like if I say, Hey, hey, buddy, you forgot to whatever. And he's like, Well, I didn't because of, and he's off putting it on someone else and trying to like say, It's okay. It's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to forget. I was just reminding you that I need you to do it and not, you don't have to make an excuse for why it wasn't done. Yeah. And I have no problems. I, I, we're not doing excuses here. Just tell me. Just yeah. say you messed up. Just mess up. Look, just own it. Just own it. It's fine. Hey, uh, here's a good statement. You know, and even teachers say, Mom, I just, uh, I was playing with my video games and I wanted to do that instead. Yeah. Uh, that's honest. I get that. I'd rather be watching the Kardashians. <laughs> no. Like you yeah. do every night. I just than- like Anne Green Gables. That's all I watch, Kirk. <laughs> over and over and over. <laughs> And from the depths of despair. Yes. I, <laughs> that's where the drama comes from. That's the in, drama. Right? That's where my drama comes from. Oh, uh, Kirk, we could talk for days, but I've got I've got things to do with my twenty thousand children. So I'm I know I, you do. I'm gonna have to sign off. But um I really appreciate I, you. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Can I do a quick thing? Yeah. If if people want help, this is my shameless pit, but we're at celebratecalm.com. Yep. You can email me. It's Kirk, K-I-R-K, at CelebrateCalm.com if you need help with anything. We've got a Facebook page. And um, we love – final thing is we love all across the country. We speak all over the country. And just about every event will have someone come up and say, oh, I'm a fan of the God-centered mom. And it's really cool because there's that like cool connection. And we're like, do you have 19 kids as well? And they're like, <laughs> no, we learned from Heather. No, so. all her mistakes. She's the Titanic for us. You're awesome. Avoid the iceberg ahead. No, that's you're an awesome. Oh, you're very good. Thank you. Well, um, I think that from your first part of this episode, you told us all we should take care of ourselves. So I think that's a prescription that everyone listening should go uh, get. Like they get a hot bath tonight. They get a good book. They get some hot tea. Does that sound good? Everybody gets that today. 
three minutes alone. Three minutes. Three minutes. <laughs> you get three three minutes. minutes is a lot for moms. <laughs> that is a lot. All right. Well, thank you, Kirk. I really appreciate okay. it. Go have a great day. Okay. You too. All right. Thanks. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.